My name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Now, I hope everybody likes listening to me, Slate, and Zane slash Abyss. He uses Abyss on their actual podcast, which is MCS Anime. Um, You can find it um, probably at this point wherever podcasts are. So you can probably find it where... um, wherever you're listening to this show right now is. Um, but I hope you enjoyed our conversation about um, Keep Your Hands Off Azerkin. I had a lot of fun talking to them about that show. I had a lot of fun watching that show. I talked about why it was so hard for me to get through that show, even though I really like it, on that episode. So definitely go check that out. But this week we're going to be talking about something that in my mind sits um, on the Sunday edition. We're going to be talking about something that in my mind sits next to a show we already talked about, a, a, a show we've already had, which is the Iyashke show, which if you don't know about Iyashke anime, um, Iyashke anime, then you can go and listen to that show. But in short, it's basically anime that's designed to be calming and soothing and it's designed to let you space out into it. Now this week I'm gonna talk about what I I don't really have a great name for this. I probably will title this episode Hello Darkness. But basically they're dark anime. They're they're dark anime that are that focus on a criminal element of some kind. Um, now, when I say dark anime, I don't mean anime like Tanya the Evil, which I've actually covered in my main show. I was surprised I covered it because I've talked about it for two episodes. I also don't mean anime that are like grimdark, edgy anime, like um, the most infamous one I can think of right now off the top of my head. It's Beck Ops. It's Beckoff's Magical Girl Asuka, which is, like, it's meant to be, like, shock porn anime. But what I'm talking about here is I'm talking about shows, and I, I have four exa- I have four shows to recommend on this score. One of which, um, a bunch of which, I've, I think all of them I've talked about in the main show. But, um... Those shows, these shows are made to focus on, by and large, criminals, and they're made to focus on people who have, they don't have, they don't not have a moral compass, but they have, certainly have a sketchy moral compass. They don't, they don't see things in, as black and white, right, right and wrong scenarios as, Something like a shonen, something like a um, typical shonen anime would um, portray. And what I mean by that is they don't, they'll do things for money just because there's money in it. They don't care if it's the good or bad option. Now, another thing that 
is often true of these shows is they inhabit their own world, their own not version of reality, but section of reality that's separate from everyday life and everyday um, goings-ons. And a great way that they'll demonstrate that is that they will talk about... Well, they will... They'll show up in a version of our of our everyday life. They'll spend some time in it. And to that extent, the first show I want to talk about this with is Black Lagoon. Um, Black Lagoon feature is, in my mind, one of the best versions of this kind of show you can get because it features all the tent poles. It features... A straight man in um, rock who starts out the show as Roku Okajima, who is a essentially middle management Japanese office worker whose job is to travel, you're led to believe, not even all over the world, although he has taken some trips to like Hawaii and stuff like that for business. You led to believe that he's just, like, traveling the country and, like, giving dull, dry PowerPoint business meetings as part of his everyday responsibility. And you find out that he's... By, like, the end of episode one, you find out that he is very shat on as an employee and for no reason other than he is, like, the low... He's like middle management and he interacts with everybody who's like way higher up in the company that he's working at. And he serves as the audience's introduction to the world of Black Lagoon and to the place that they that Black Lagoon largely takes place in and that is the city of Verwenapur. And this brings another kind of, like, criminal element anime staple, which I kind of love, which is that often these shows take place in either one or many lawless zones, so to speak. What I mean by that is Rowenapur is a Southeast Asian, like, seaport town that is split up and divvied up by all these different underworld crime organizations. You have Mexican cartels, you have a Mexican cartel group there, you have a Russian mafia, like a fairly prominent branch of the Russian mafia there, you have the triad there. The only interaction you don't have there is the Yakuza, and one of the things that these shows, that many of these shows do really well, and by the way, um, you can find Black Lagoon on Funimation. You can find most of it on Funimation, I'm pretty sure. You can find it on even Hulu, Crunchyroll, that kind of stuff if you want to go watch it. You've never, you, if you've never watched Black Lagoon, it's worth watching the first 
the first episode at least is a thrill ride and a half, I promise. Um, and the other thing about Black Lagoon that is revolutionary when you hold and is true of a lot of these shows is that they're revolutionary in the fact that they feature extremely strong, extremely independent female main characters. Who, if they're not the point of view character, are like the supporting character or the secondary character. And in Black Loon's case, you have Revy, who is a Chinese-American brat. Later on in the later on in the series, not in the season, I think that what when you find out the way you find out about her backstory primarily in actually the very last season, the technical third season, which is called Roberta's Blood Trail, um, you find out that she was sexually abused as a child. She was homeless for a large period of time in her youth. And that she, at some point, was picked up by the CIA. And the because you see in the fir- in the first in the first season you see that Revy has a relationship with the CIA like the CIA know her name and she very clearly knows the agent she bumps into and she tells him to go eat a dick basically <laughs> and once but before even before you know that you get the sense that Revy's view on life is very informed by her path through it so far. And the thing I like about these, like, darker, more criminal element-focused anime is that they they take a real... They take a real look at life and what it's... and what it can do to a person. Something that... Something that gets left out of most hero narratives, and actually the thing I'm planning on talking about for the next normal terrestrial Thursday show actually inspired me to do this because it took a real honest look at how you make somebody an asshole <laughs> through but I, telling a story in which there is no way at the end of the story the main character doesn't want to be an asshole, and that show is Rising of a Shield Hero. Now, Rising of a Shield Hero doesn't get everything right, but the stuff that it majorly flubs, the stuff that it majorly, like, fucks up, it doesn't actually fuck up, I don't think. It doesn't actually get wrong the, like, reverse rape scenario that it starts its story with. Spoiler alert for Shield Hero, by the way. All of that stuff is in service of making you understand why Naofumi ends up being kind of a shitbag to certain characters in this show. Because they want... The the thing that they want to do in that show very clearly is they want to give you a main character who doesn't just, like, 
accept that people were assholes to him. They don't want to give you a character like Naruto who comes around to understanding the fact that all these all these people were deep assholes to him for his entire childhood and like continued to be assholes to him right up until they realized that he was the only one who could save them. What they want to do in Shield Hero is they want to do a bunch of stuff, do a bunch of shitty things to the main character and have him come out the other side in a way that is different from... that is very real. That is, that is very like this dude's in his early 20s. He's been shat on a bunch. What would you be like after that? And in most of these kind of crib, kind of like criminal element, I guess as long as settle on criminal element anime, the characters that in these anime they had their life deal them a raw fucking deal. Revy has not been treated well by just about anything in her life. And she, while she has all the, like, movie references and all that stuff that anybody else has, she hasn't been given the ability to pretend that that's how life will play out for her. She's been fucked over by everybody all the time. And has no illusions that someone will do that to her eventually again, even even if it is somebody like Rock, who seems to be all in on her side constantly, and it takes the whole for it takes the whole um first two seasons for her to get to a place where she realizes like Rock may fuck everybody else over. But I'm not on that list. I am definitively not on that list. He will never fuck with me. Partially because Rock, in his brain, understands very clearly. Like, if I fuck with Revy, she just shoots me in the head and moves on with her day. As, oh, that was a bad boyfriend. Pop, done. And there's something really refreshing to a truly strong female character. Somebody who doesn't need any... Who, who the entire cast of the show recognizes as, she doesn't need my fucking help. Like, I I can help her out of the goodness of my heart, but I need to understand that she does not need that help. She knows how to make money and fucking take what she needs or take what she wants at any fucking point. And that actually brings me to the next show I want to talk about, which is a show called Jormungand. I mentioned this in, I mentioned this show to, um, actually, I think it was off, I think it was off mic, but I mentioned the show to Slayton Zane after we recorded the episode on Isaacen because it has one of the funniest Western comic references I think I've ever heard, my, I've ever seen in my life. In that they make evil anime Dilbert a thing. If you have seen Jormungand, the show, you'll under all the way through. You'll understand what I mean. There, this, this, this like CIA, like fucking handler fixer nightmare person, who is 
very clearly just like, what if we made Dilbert an evil asshole? <laughs> but you're... So again, one of the things that they do with the point of view character in that show is they make it... They make it a guy because they know the kind of people who will probably end up watching the kind of shows, and they're often guys. But the st- consistently strongest female c- characters in Jurmangand are once again female. The people that end up changing the world by the end of Jormungand's run are all female. And, and the character you follow through that saga is Jonah, but he is from the minute go of this show attached to Coco Hekmakyar I think I'm pronouncing that name right, um, who is who you're told is this very like unhinged very goofy but also deadly fucking serious arms dealer who deals arms all over the world. And be- before we get to that, it's, and this is true in um, Jormungan too, so it actually works. I mentioned, I'm realizing now that I mentioned that they get back to, that one of the ways that these shows make you understand that you are in a very different environment um, than, than your everyday life, that, the, that there may be some faint beauty to the environment that, say, um, Jormungand or Black Lagoon inherit, in- inhabit. It is still fundamentally a world of criminals, assholes, and violence. Is They take a brief moment... Lots of times it's the course of a, it's like a season, like Black Lagoon, or certainly like, um, uh, Jormungand, I think is only a couple episodes, but I think it, I think it might be a whole, uh, no, I think it's a whole season. It's, uh, it's most of a season they spend in Japan. One of the things that makes these shows work so well is they are highly researched, on some level, they're either highly researched or they're very detail-oriented in the fantasy they do create. Um, and to give you an idea, the person who made Black Lagoon also ended up making a deeply sad movie called In This Corner of the World, which is about Japan experiencing... The, the public part of Japan experiencing World War II and the repeated bombings and how truly awful it ended up being. And you follow just a normal girl through that arc. And it's, it, it's a heartbreaking film. I've talked... I did a very inadvisable thing of watching it and then, like, literally spinning around in my chair in my old, in my old creative space and talking into a microphone about it, like, while still fucking tearing up. But the thing about that show, about um, Black Lagoon, is actually it's um, it's it's very it's very well researched, and it's the 
the place of Rowenifer is based on a real Southeast Asian loca- a real locale. I think it's Southeast Asian, but um, there's a great um, there's a great Otaku USA article about Black Lagoon, and they posit that I forget what location they posit, but they're like, ah, Rowanifer is probably based on this location. Um, But in order to make you understand how different that is, oftentimes these anime will go back, will go back either back, or they'll go to Japan to spend time in the, like, very structured, very safe, very calm society of Japan, and fucking rip that shit apart. It, and there's like um, always a moment in these shows where either the, in Rock's case, Rock feels its affinity for being back in his home country and being back in an environment he understands. And in Rock's case, they the re- whole reason that he goes at all is because Valenka, the Russian mob boss, knows that he understands Japan, not just its language, but its culture, and she wants to use that to her advantage. And there's always a moment in both Black Lagoon and in Jormungand where, in Jormungand, Noah is the character who's like, I wish, I feel bad about destroying this country, about fucking up any part of this peaceful world that this country has. Um, Rock also has that moment, but Rock is... The thing about Black Lagoon is it is very much a story that puts that puts Rock in the story. It's not a story that has any interest in like separating rock back out again because from episode two of black lagoon you see that rock is every bit as crazy if not more crazy than anybody else on the cat than than anybody else in the world of rowaniper he just has never been given the two the free reign to act on those impulses um i've and I, I appreciate that because people have definitely looked at me and been and been like, Alex, you should probably never be allowed to be a criminal because we'd all be in fucking trouble. And throughout the course of the Yakuza arc of Black Lagoon, you get the sense that Rock is now a totally different person than he definitely lets on to let lets on to be to other people but then then he but certainly different than when he left Japan when he was taken out of Japan basically and in these shows they use the kind of friction between the point of view character and an environment they either appreciate or came from and still appreciate to let you know that even though where they live, what they experience must, might be beautiful or might be serene, it is still inherently 
a law like a lawless zone. And one of the things I most appreciate about Black Lagoon and about um Jormungand is their focus on it's their like environments they have. In Jormungand the environments are varied, but the cast gives the whole show like a unity and a feel that they don't have otherwise. Um, another show I want to talk about here, actually, is I'm switching this up, is the show that went horribly wrong because Monglobe went out of business at at the same time as putting it out. So it never the show never actually. I don't think that I think it had a conclusion, but it didn't finish the way it was supposed to. And that actually, I know it didn't finish the way it's supposed to. I watched all of it, and that is a show called Gangsta. And I've done an episode on Gangsta. And Gangsta, as a show, is a kind of a dumpster fire because it doesn't get because as a manga, it's not great either. The source material is not great, so not being able to take the full source material and turn it into an anime makes it worse because it gets compressed and weird and disjointed. But it posits this idea of this, like, cavernous, two-level city that is, like, the modern world slamming into the old world and, deal and like, conforming the old world to what it to what it wants it to be, in that it has... I forget the name of the town in Gangsta, but Gangsta has this very real feeling, and they do a great job of framing this. This is one of the few things they do a great job of in Gangsta. They look... They always look through alleys, so you oftentimes you'll see from the main through affair back into the alley where Nicholas and... um when Nicholas and Alex and all the other characters of Gangsta actually do their, like, hang out and do their work. So you you get the real sense, and as somebody who traveled to um, North Africa, you get the, you actually do get this sense. You get this sense as a tourist in um, Morocco that you're not seeing the real Morocco. You're seeing a tourist, you're seeing a slightly sanitized, slightly, depending on how much money you spend, very sanitized, very pristine version of Morocco. And uh, the way I travel is not usually, um, what's the best word for it? It's not usually along, along the kind of path that is set for you by tourist group, by tourism boards and all that stuff. I usually am much closer to the real place than a lot of people actually get to be because I like to be in a place for long enough where it feels like I'm just living and not like I'm visiting. And in a country like in a in a city like Marrakesh in a country like Morocco that can that was actually a lot easier for me because I look like I was born in Morocco I 
can guarantee you that. If I, the person I was traveling with, if I was far enough away from them, the vendors wouldn't bother me because they just assumed I was a rich Moroccan person, not a tourist with some money who was on vacation, which was actually really nice because that was how I could get people to leave me alone. How I could get people to stop badgering me. I could just like stand at like five feet away <laughs> um, from my from my travel companions. But the thing about Marrakesh especially is there's a there's one of the top ten hotels in the world there. I play a hotel called Mamuya, and it costs thousands of dollars a night probably. But as a disabled person, I noticed one thing when I, when I, when me and my travel buddy spent time there is I would not have had to do a single thing for myself in that hotel if we'd stayed there at all. A attendant would have been assigned to me at the second we checked in and until the day I checked out. Because there was one of the reasons why it's so expensive, even though it's in a very low-income city like Marrakesh is because they are spending they are spending an inordinate amount of money to create this perfect Mediterranean vacation experience where you are experiencing just the parts of Morocco that are at their very best and most beautiful at all times. The waiters in the place we ate lunch were dressed in this, in this like majorel blue suit with these beautiful flat brim hats, and it, it was like it was like a, a moment in paradise, it, in like typical uh, Moroccan paradise. It was kind of awe-inspiring, but we couldn't bring bottles of water in. We couldn't bring anything in from the outside world. Because the only way they could ensure that you weren't bringing it, that you weren't like a street urchin is by cleansing you of all of that. So, out on the street in the night market, if you're just a dude and you're not being guided around by somebody you trust and you're just walking around, you see all kinds of craziness. But that's the, but once you go, but once we went back to our Riyadh and we went through and we went through the alley, so to speak, we saw like kids. At one point, we had a couple kids following us because they're like they look like they have money. At another point, you know, we'd see you know young men in off in like counterfeit shit, and at their best, these shows like Black Lagoon, like Gangsta, like Jormungand. Even something like um, Hakata, like Hakata Tonkatsu Ramen, which is another, which is a, I think it came out in 2019 actually, is another kind of like crime-focused show. Even though even those shows show what you see when you go through the alley, so to speak, and like I like I said. The best way to demonstrate that to people, generally speaking, unless you have really a really good framing device like um, 
Gangsta has, once again, one of the only good things about that show, is to take is to take those characters, to take those, like, rough-and-tumble, true-fucking-killers and put them in, like, typical Japan, where there's a clear set of rules and everybody's... everybody's Everybody, even the crime syndicates. In Japan, everybody, even the Yakuza, function by a set of rules. In But in Rowanapur, or in the arms trade business, it's not that there's no rules, but it's very different. And that at any point, somebody could just fly off the handle, but nobody does, because they know if one flies off the handle... The other one will just shoot them in the head. There's no second tries. And another, so another show that does this really well is a show is from a totally different direction. It's a show called Drifters. It, Drifters was actually it actually a manga series by the same person who did Helsing, and Helsing all Helsing kind of falls into this territory. But the difference with Helsing and um, Drifters from something like Jormungand or, or and actually Hakal Raman is its own weird thing, but we'll get to that in a second. Show like Drifter, like um, Jormungand or Black Lagoon, and I think that Jormungand and Black Lagoon are actually the two strongest, are stronger than Helsing or Drifters. Or even something like Gangsta. And once again, Hakata Ramen, different thing. We'll get to it in a second. Um, but the difference with these shows is that the super strong, like, point of view characters are the point of view, are generally the point of view characters, or if they're not the point of view characters, they are, they, they are the strongest characters are the secondary characters and that's because Drifter and Helsing have like their super strong independent characters be men and so I want to draw a clear point of distinction here I think that one of the things that makes Jormungand and Black Lagoon standout shows and so enjoyable is you're dealing with strong truly strong not like you know, pick her head up and lead, like, not jargon bullshit, lean in strong, like, actually will fuck you up the second you step out of line without question strong characters are female. As soon as you do this with, if you switch Revy out for a male character, you switch Coco Heckmachiar out for a male character, they don't really work. They, like, the show kind of falls apart. It's a, part of the greatness of the show is the fact that they, that they're, per, the people who penned the characters made these characters in, made these characters female on purpose. It's not like you can just swap genders and it all works. Uh, case in point, you look at something like Helsing or even actually Drifter, and while they have the same 
feel, they're not. They don't quite get there. Even the even the original like 2010-ish Helsing, or 2008, I think it was made in 2006, maybe even earlier. Um, original at TV adaptation of Helsing. Alucard feel doesn't feel as much like a badass as um, Revy does, or even as Coco does at at Coco's most um, at, at Coco's deepest depths. Um, and then in Drifters, those characters are the characters the storyline of Drifters. Spoiler alert for Drifters. I guess, is that they are plucked from history at every point to be, to fight this, like, evil ancient war, basically, on both sides. It's this, like, bureaucratic pissing match, basically. <laughs> it's this, intellect, in, like, interstellar bureaucratic pissing match, and they are all pawns in the game. And, like, yes, it's got this, like, badass awesomeness to it, but because they're supposed to be hero characters... Uh, it doesn't feel as badass. It just doesn't it doesn't have the same feel. Now, Hakata Ramen is very different. Why? Because you have a you have a female presenting cross dressing male character, a character who dresses as a woman who wants to be an assassin, who is an assassin basically, and that show has some funky things in it. It has, like, the masked samurai guy. It, it, it has some odd things in it. And it it can be a little flat at times, but it doesn't really... It And while it doesn't always stick the landing, it is a pretty good... Um, it is a pretty good depiction of like an underworld uh, that's what I'm going to call these an underworld anime an anime that focus the focuses really specifically on the underworld uh the last example I'll give of this is a show called that I love called Dorara and Dorara it's a little muddled as to like how underworld how supernatural it is but it focuses on the it definitely focuses on the margins of the of the area of Japan it's focusing on and these underworld focused anime give you a form of escape and provide a power fantasy oftentimes that is that more Shonen, shonen action shows don't necessarily can't necessarily give you because they're not really interested in them. I mean, they they have right now in Shonen Jump they have two two shows about crime two series about crime families happening. And while I haven't read them, I can be fairly confident in saying they don't. That those shows, that those series, those mangas won't come close to something like Black Lagoon. Uh, 
they won't come close to something like um, Jormungand. They probably won't even come that close to something like Hakata Kokansu Ramen, although the bar is way lower to get there. And the reason is because they don't want to do the work that actually I have started talking about when I was talking about Shield Hero. They don't want to give you characters who were formed by... They, they, and it's not that they can't. It's not that people writing those mangas can't. It's that they're just, that's not something they're interested in. And that that's fine. You know, to each their own. But they're not going to get you to a place, most likely, where they've poked and prodded at their main characters so much they turn into different versions of themselves. The thing with Revy in Black Lagoon and the thing with Coco in Jormungand is that they were both poked and prodded by different at different points in their life constantly, and not even poked and prodded, flat out stabbed at different points in their life by reality that by the time you see them in those shows, they've already had to deal with all this, like, a whole back... They all already dealt with a whole backstory of shit that has made them the people they are. In, Black, in both Black Lagoon and in Jormungand, when you meet Coco and when you meet Revy, even when you meet Dutch and... Um, Benny in Black Lagoon, when you meet any character in Black Lagoon, really, they feel so dripping in backstory that you will mostly never know. Because of the way they are currently. You hear bits and pieces of their backstory often, like you hear bits and pieces of Balalanka's backstory, you hear Benny at one point gives you, like, I was an MIT kid who, a, a nice Jewish boy who got on the wrong side of the CIA and hacked into a database in MIT and now I'm here. Um, but you don't... Those things don't give you the, like, reason that... Benny wears a Hawaiian shirt every day. Those things don't give you the com like the complete piece by piece story of why Belalenka has a scar that is the length of her body. And when you do get all the pieces of Revy's story, you understand why she is the way she is. You understand. You don't, it's not that you, you understand that you will never understand her perspective. You have to accept it because it is hers and that you, like, to experience the things she experienced to get to that point it would, may kill you, may end you. And that's one of the things that makes these shows so interesting to watch is because they aren't I'm gonna have to edit this bad <laughs> but they aren't interested in letting the good people who 
drift in and out of the of these storylines off the hook. The perfect example is you in the second season of Black Lagoon is spent in Japan basically fucking up the Yakuza. And you meet this character who's this naive, you know, high school age girl who stands to it be who stands to be the next boss of the Yakuza clan that gets its ass handed to them by Valenka and you see her come to the realization that she that the people she's dealing with are monsters. She's used to like hooligans and slightly rowdy animals, but they, but she is now but she is seeing monsters who've been let off the leash. And she comes to the conclusion that she thinks she can be she can be in that world and be one of those monsters. And the world eats her and and that and but even attempting to do that ends up eating her alive. Well not not literally but like she ends up she ends up pay, she ends up paying for that misconception with her life. She she basically writes writes a check her ass can't cash. And the show moves on. The show fucking that is the end of the second season, but by the third season you realize the show has moved on. Like Rock clearly remembers her. And he, it has taught him something, and it, that has changed him. That has added to his like backstory, but the rest of the show doesn't give a shit. So, it, I appreciate shows that give you bad people who have reasons for being bad. Um. It's actually one, and then the last thing I'll say is, it's actually one of the things I think is the strength of My Hero Academia is that its strongest point when it gives you a bad guy like Stain or even like, um, um, Shigaraki who actively experience and actively understand the reality they're living in. Even someone like Overhaul. It, understand that the reality they're living in has created that has created them and will continue to create them as long as heroes are like the end all be all does that make them right no and the and the thing about all of these underworld shows they don't they don't they they revel in the like the underworld gaze that they that they're showing you, but they don't excuse it. They don't make it. They don't make it. They don't say like, okay, it's 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 cool to like murder people. They show you something that looks cool, but they also make you understand that like shit's fucked. You don't want to be these people. You may think you do, but you don't because you would have to go through like I said things that would that would probably leave you dead. These people were forged in bad fire, basically. 
and it would either they become the people they are when you meet them in the shows that I mentioned, or they would have died. And on that note, um, I definitely encourage you to go see any of the shows I mentioned. I will list them in the description of this episode, so you can go check them out. I'll put links you can go directly to. Um, but I hope you enjoyed this episode on Underworld Anime. And if you like this, if you like this show, you can subscribe to it. There's, if, you, if you like the podcast, you can subscribe to it. There are episodes every... There's a standard episode that's about one show a week. Um, every Thursday and every Sunday. It's a more overarching, general discussion about anime in general. Sometimes it's about how to build your home theater, like last Sunday. Or sometimes it's about underworld anime, like today. It all depends on what I'm cooking in my brain. But until next time, I will talk to you on Thursday.